Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of All Things Crime. I tell you what, I've got a fantastic guest today. You guys are going to absolutely love it. He's been on the show before, good friend of mine, Dr. Lee Miller. So Dr. Miller, if you don't know, is one of the leading experts in the entire world in all sorts of serial killings, serial rapes, those kind of things. I'm going to let him describe his background again, but good friend of mine. And the reason that I wanted to have him on again is not only because of his amazing studio that he's got set up in North Wales, but also when I was over there with my wife, you know, last, I think it was last May, June, we sat down and we got, we were talking, we were talking a little bit about what Lee basically described as the lockdown before the lockdown. We're going to get into that. But most importantly, welcome back to the show, Lee. Hey, glad to be here, Jared. I don't regret that we have to do this again. We missed some good material that we recorded last time. I'm sure I won't be able to replicate it, but I always enjoy talking to you. Oh, you know what? I'm not so sure, man. I, I think just the way your mind works, I don't know how many books you've actually memorized, but got to be in the hundreds. And I mean, personally, on a, and this is this is no BS, you are one of the most intelligent guys I've ever sat down with and just fascinating discussion. And for some reason, well, thank you, Jared. Um, That's very software and the recording that we were doing. It's hard to know what to say to uh, that. work. So it recorded the video, but it didn't record the audio. And when I got back home afterwards and I was trying to edit it, I just couldn't figure out that, you know, that the audio file was corrupted. I was so mad. So, you know, it's ever since last June, basically, I've been trying to get you on. You're a busy, busy man. So I've been trying to get you on ever since. So I can here we are, man. I'm excited. One time I lost 75 pages of a book. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm on a tight deadline. I have, that was the last time I really, really, really lost my temper. Oof. And you know what I did? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Here's a lesson, right? You can (laughs) rage. You can say, why me? You can blame the USB stick company. But at the end of the day, you've got two choices. Sit back down and do it again or give up. (laughs) So I sat back down and did it again. And thankfully, that memory I've got, it seems that I had memorized a lot of my best sentences. I guess that's one of the advantages of being a very slow and pedantic writer, by the time I actually perfected them, I seared them into my own mind. So I find myself like almost downloading it back onto the book. And so I tried to just, every time something bad happens now, man, I tried to just take it as a life lesson. And the life lesson of that one was exactly what I just said. You got two choices. You're going to stop whining now and sit down and finish it? Yeah. Okay. You're going to back things up on those USB sticks anymore? No, I'll get an external hard drive. They're better. Yeah. Well, there you go. Especially all you college kids that are listening. It's a uh, pretty good lesson right there, man. Just uh, uh, losing information like that. It's just frustrating. But, you know, it's it's part of life. And it's Murphy's Law. If it could happen, it will happen. And so, you know, you just, just drive on, man. Just do it again. So It's not just the information, though, though, Jared. It's the, the information is easy. Yeah. I mean, normally I've got that written down on a piece of paper somewhere. You know, I, I don't sit with books and put, it, and put them in my computer. Now, the way that I survive it psychologically is I sit, I write it down in a, in a book, I copy it over. The information is is easy. The hard thing is the craft of the words, right? Just the perfect, the cadence of the sentence and the use of alliteration and 
what was that word I just found it that just describes it and then it's all gone for 75 pages that's a lot of work what what kind of book was it it was this one here actually by chance oh, second rampage Canadian mass murder and okay. spree killing yeah this was 2013 my second book it came after my my first one which was arguably a, a lot better received just because of the content it was more important cold north killers Canadian serial murder I spent years researching that. I finally put it out in 2012. That was the first book I ever published. Okay. Wow. Well, we'll you'll have to send me the links to those so I can put them in the uh, the show notes and people can get access to them. Because I'll tell you what, that's well, yeah. You know what? Why don't you tell the audience what your background and what your specialty is? Okay. It's getting harder to keep this short. I have a PhD <laughs> in the interdisciplinary study of aberrant homicide sex crimes and violence. So I took psychology, criminology, sociology, and semiotics, and I particularly focused on those subjects. And so I had a class on psychopathy. I had a class on criminal profiling. I had one on sex crimes and paraphilia. One of my mentors who taught to those classes was the great Eric Hickey, who wrote definitely the best textbook on serial murder ever, serial murders and their victims. And I also went to training sessions under Robert Hare for the PCLR Psychopathic Checklist Revised. I went to one in Jackson, Tennessee with Mary Ellen O'Toole looking at how to spot psychopathy and the criminal paraphilias crime scene. Then I spent years on the dissertation where I researched offenders who communicate through letters, posing bodies, weird phone calls. So Son of Sam, Zodiac Killer, that sort of thing, guys that dress in costumes. And no one had really done that properly. I'm really glad my research of that. You can read that for free online, my dissertation. I kill, therefore I am. The expressive transformative process of violence. I've also researched and authored a textbook on necrophilia. Well, I authored many of the chapters in it and I edited it. I also have one on forensic psychology of homicide. I did chapters on sexual sadism, necrophilia, just various paraphilic sex crimes, psychopathy at crime scenes. I've written seven bucks now, two on multiple murder in Canada. It was underexplored topic, still really is. I have written the two textbooks that I just described there. I co-authored the crime book, which was a coffee table book on all the great crimes of history by DK Books. And I wrote, branched out a little. DK liked what I did, gave me some more opportunities. I'm very glad of it. So I wrote one called Behind the Horror, which is the true story behind scary films. That was fascinating. So that's awakened my newest passion, which is cinema. So now I'm, I'm screenwriting. That's what I'm mainly doing with my time. And I wrote a book on the conspiracies, conspiracies uncovered. That was another one, DK, through my way. Almost forgot, Jared, I was the vice president of the American Investigative Society of Cold Cases. I worked on probably like two dozen cold cases. Also head of behavioral with them too. So, so I'm sorry, it's difficult to be concise. I don't know what there matters more than the others. Well, and you're also an amazing dresser. So yeah, oh. you have lots of people that, you know, call you up and ask you for the latest and greatest in apparel. No, not at all. Do you see anyone <laughs> dressed like this anymore? This sort of hippie look? It's way out. Oh, uh, you know what? I think it's coming back in though, man. You, you got the Levi's that have all sorts of holes in them and bell bottoms. So, you know, hey, there's always a chance, right? Yeah, I always, I always liked it. It has some panache without looking like a space alien. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. It's just part of your persona. And I like, you know, it's, that's what makes it so awesome, you know, especially to hang out with you. By the way, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that I 
fully appreciate, you know, told you how much I appreciated you letting us hang out with you there when we were in the uh, UK. So that was awesome. Oh yeah, man. My yeah. honor. And you guys can come back anytime, it's going to keep improving the more that you come. And I've, I've got something yeah. really cool. I'm putting in the space now. Get ready for this, Jared. Nobody knows about this. I'm putting a wife in here soon. I'm engaged. Yeah. I was kind of debating whether or not to tell the world, but I figured they're going to find out sooner or later. So being a lot more private these days. And congratulations. All right, man. Well, go from the happy, happy times of being married and, and being engaged mm-hmm. to let's talk about the dark stuff. So all the rest of yeah, it. your, your favorite topics, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I've always been fascinated that you, that you said is whenever a detective is at a crime scene and he or she is looking at it and they, they say, you know what? I am not sure what I'm looking at. This is not your run of the mill homicide, you know, or, or rape scene or whatever. And that's when they should call somebody like you. So explain that really quick. Yeah. Most departments outside of major metropolitan centers, you know, aberrant crimes is just a statistical calculation, right? The fewer people you have, the less you're going to hit those outlying, those anomalies, you know? So in big cities, they see a lot more of it. Maybe then they don't need me. I would argue that they still do because what I do is such a niche thing, but certainly any small department, which is most departments in the world, it comes across something like somebody with their head cut off or dressed to have in, in strange tights that are not their own, or I could go on forever. Weird stuff, even stranger rapes, because they have a behavioral pattern to, to them. I would say, why not every time consult someone like me? I don't understand why they don't do it more. Maybe they don't see the benefits of it. They haven't been educated on that yet, but it doesn't hurt. The problem is, Jared, there's a lot of people who are fraudulent about what I do, I guess, because it's considered a, a cool thing, which, you know, full disclosure, I got into it because it has a kind of mysterious edge. There's there's something quite charming about the profession, but there's people who want to do it and not put the work in to get there. And people have a very different time distinguishing who those people are, because it is really the people who are good at this. It, it is so small and so niche. And so I imagine there's been departments that have been burned by charlatans in the past and then they can't tell the you know the good people from the bad so if, if you want to know about me here's a good way to tell whether someone's a real deal or not do they have colleagues that do this because uh, i am very close colleagues with cloyd steiger and Susanna ryan particularly i'm not going to start naming everyone i know but particularly those two people so you'd have to believe that one of america's best dna experts Susanna ryan and cloyd steiger who solved something like 250 homicides You'd have to believe that I'm such a good con man that I fooled them, which of course, no one's that good. So one of the things you want to do is if you're trying to spot who's the real deal or not, who's around them? Yeah. Who, who would actually vouch for you? Yeah. And, who will vouch for you? Yeah, I, I, and how, not how cool yeah. is your website? How, you know, do you have nifty graphic design and business cards? That's all show. That's for people that have time on their hands. Yeah. Well, I know Cloyd and Susanna both really well. And I agree with you that they're two of the uh, probably, if they're not the most sought after, they're certainly two of the most sought after and, and highly professional investigators, I think in the whole game. So yeah, I mean, having, having a couple of folks like those two vouching for you should be pretty, pretty good feather in the cap, man. Yeah. It's such an honor to have those people as my friends and colleagues, Jared, you know, I'm very fortunate, even if they didn't think much of my skills. It would just be an honor to be around them and hear Cloyd's stories and Susanna's stories. And yeah, I mean, they're they're so skilled at what they do, but they're good people too. I mean, that's a rare thing. 
Yeah, it really is. I, I mean, not so much in the law enforcement profession. I, I think there's a lot of really good people and a lot of people that they do a lot of service for a minimal amount of money, which is pretty rare in today's society. But yeah, those guys, they're the real deal. And I, yeah, I, I've, I've had them both on the show. You know, I've interacted with them a ton. Yeah, great people. So but in fact, as far as the MVAC goes, Pure Gold Forensics is, is one of the labs that we send the most business to just because they are so good. Yeah, I'm have a hankering to put something really big together in the coming years. None of it will involve them, and maybe it will involve you too. I think you want to take ratchet the cold case investigation thing up to a completely different level. Well, and just let me know. I'm in. Awesome. All right, man. So one of the things that we talked about, like I like I said a little bit earlier, that was so intriguing. So you know, we were over there like last May, June, and that was about a month after that big Buffalo shooting and not the animal Buffalo, but Buffalo, New York, mm. where that kid that was, I mean, just purely psychotic had walked into the grocery store and shot the place up. And, you know, I think 10 people died from that. And the interesting thing was he was so intertwined with some really weird websites and a lot of not, not just racial stuff, but also just, you know, I mean, I, the level of psychosis there that, it was experiencing that, you know, what, and and so that plus the Uvalde shooting in Texas, one of the questions that I posed to you was, what is it that can put people in such a weird mindset that they would justify walking into a grocery store or walking into a school and shooting up innocent people? So why don't we, why don't we start with that? Well, they're not all the same, but not their psychologies. Typically what we find in people who are mass murderers is, Unlike serial killers, they tend not to be psychopaths. Now, there are more psychopaths among them than there are in the general population, of course. But psychopaths show a pervasive pattern of predation throughout their whole lives. And we don't see that really with people who are mass murderers. They tend to be people who, the idea that they, they just go off one day isn't exactly true. They still fantasize and plan it out for a long time. They consider what they're doing for a long time. But their pattern of offending against other people really it's it's there isn't a pattern of offending against other people they sit there and they simmer and they collect guns and they make plans and they go on online forums increasingly in the world that we live in now and you know kind of self-radicalize or they're, they're hardly attracted to nuance right emotionally unstable people not really into into nuance they like black and white good and bad so the, the, here's where i just want to cut through and get to like how does this happen would this happen in a society like a tribal society um, where we all know each other, um, where we work together, where there is a, a, a very obvious delineation and hierarchy? And the answer is no. What this is, is a product of our society and particularly the atomizing aspects of our society, which I think are really troubling at its extreme and manifest in things like mass shooters. But I think it's not good for all of our mental health. And it just hits them of course, harder because they're they're wired a bit wrong in the first place. But something unique about our society allows people to just fester in solitude and to have nobody notice, which is another key part, right? Like your parents say like, oh, I didn't know anything was wrong. He would just come home from school and sit in his room and play video games. You're like, all the time? Yeah, all the time. And did he have friends at school? Well, no. Okay. So when is this person socializing? When is this person not in their own head? Does this person that, because, you know, there's all sorts of eccentric people. I'm eccentric. 
but you, you'll see creative outputs from it is different. It's different than just sitting and stewing in your own psychological morass, never growing, never. And I think a lot of us too, as people that, that need help, like they hit, they don't know how to talk to other kids or something. They don't understand what makes other people tick. They've got no self-confidence. And I think if we were going to go back to that earlier society that I, I spoke about, that person doesn't get left behind in the same way. There certainly might be people, and I don't mean to be cruel here, but there certainly might be people that just you know, get put on a rock and he's useless or he's bad. So it, you know, it's not all roses, but they don't just slip under the radar. They're not invisible in a crowd for their entire life. And so I know you wanted to talk about what I was saying about the lockdown before the lockdown and the lockdown that still persists. Uh, maybe we could give an intro into that because I think, I think now I'm on track to lead people to what we were talking about there. Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.